yeah, so we're back. And if you know me, normally uh, every day is Meatless Monday. And uh, every month is, let's say, No Nugs November. But uh, for a very special episode this week, we are Beyond Beef. Because Quentin is, he's flown the coop. Now, Quentin is uh, hosting, doing a very special episode of Psychology is Dead this week. And to keep his uh, his voice and his uh, his wits sharp, we don't want to overtax the young man, uh, I decided I'll have a special co-host to fill in for the week. And my special co-host this week is the beef boy himself, uh, Elliot Tyler. Elliot, Hello, how are you doing Hello, I'm tonight? doing very well. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing really good. Uh, I meant to go through all your nicknames, oh, right? You're, uh, oh, there's like... Elliot Tyler, you're the beef boy, you're Elliot... Yeah. Um, uh, what else? Uh, the, the Pacific Northwest yeah, Rottweiler. Yeah, uh, the the uh, dumpster diving blue eyed baby boy. Yeah, there's a few. There's there's a few. And so we've talked about you a little bit on yeah. the podcast. I've talked about you a little bit on the podcast. Uh, I am becoming a big fan of you, and especially in your tag team, uh, which is the Strays with Rabies. Yes. Correct. Yes, I always remember it as the strays with fleas for some reason. I don't know why, but that's just the way it's stuck in my head. Is it a reference to the album? Um, it is. It actually is, yes. Yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. I was wondering, like, I mean, I guess it would make sense. Where else would it come yeah. from, really? Um, and, yeah, so, you know, we're just going to kind of do the thing like we normally do on the show to start out with. So we'll get into uh, kind of some news topics. It really sucks because lately the big news has been WWE. We, on this show, we don't really like to talk about the big companies yeah. as much. But the news right now is just so connected to all yeah. of that, right? So Biff Busick, Oni Lorcan, uh asks for his release from WWE interesting um i've spent years just like talking about this guy how much i love him uh loved seeing him live back when he used to come to pwg so hopefully he'll be able to come back um if he does get this release i doubt it um i've i've said like biff music probably out of all the people who've just been stuck under contract in nxt for years and years doing nothing he's the one who's like the most professional about it which i really respect in that like He's treated it as if his job is just to get shredded because he's not really doing anything else. And it really fucking shows. Like, the guy has been just, like, working out nonstop. Like, that's basically his full-time job at this point is working out. He has great matches whenever he gets a chance. But, I don't know, like, Ellie, for you as someone who's just starting out in wrestling or even just someone who's, like, a wrestling fan, what do you think about that? Like, so many guys who clearly have worked so hard to get to this point to get signed by the WWE are now, like, once they're there, they're like wanting to leave well you know it's like i always attribute it to being you want what you don't have so i mean everyone all of them growing up they've always seen wwe was the only thing obviously there was wcw and ecw but they're gone now but you know wwe was the be all end all and so many people fought so hard to make it there and i guess just for some it's more at the end of the day about their creativity and what they want to be over just making money now and i guess that's what it is for him it's more about his art more about his passion yeah well what do you think about that like for yourself i, I want to like try to treat you like you're just the co-host of the podcast but you're also a wrestler so that's just like part of you know the thing but like for you you get to basically do what you want obviously you kind of also don't get to do what you want right now because you're I bet that there's a lot of people who kind of tell you what you should be doing, right? Like, I would assume as much, just at the place that you are in your career. Um, but, like, do you, do you think that, like, you would get to a point where it's so stifling that it would be worthwhile to you? Like, how much how much money does it take to get to a point where you say, like, no, I'd leave, like, you know, Dolph Ziggler. Like, how many times has he resigned and how many times has he complained about how miserable he is that he doesn't get to do anything but what they tell him to do and he doesn't get respected like he should? But, like... You know, but he stays. Randy Orton, same thing, kind of teasing that he's not happy, but stays for the money. Like, do you think that for you, there would be a point where you're like, fuck it, I have enough money, I want to have fun? Man, um, I, I, I want to say yes. I want to say yes a lot. But I don't know. I'm just at a point where I'm having fun and I'm not really making money. So I don't know if there was a point where I'd have enough money where I just wanted to make fun. Like, I'm just trying my best to, you know, like, 
like have the best of both worlds but i guess like at the end of the day if it came down to like like being miserable but making a certain amount of money like yeah yeah i don't know i i honestly have no idea it's tough to say right because it's like with my job like i don't (laughs) i don't love my job right and like you what you do you probably kind of enjoy your job but there's also parts of it that you don't like i always like to say like if you really enjoyed doing it, people probably wouldn't pay you to, right? Like that's the whole, like kind of the whole shitty part about work. And over the years, as I've like become more radicalized, I realized like that's what capitalism <laughs> means. Like that's the whole point is that it sucks. Like they're just trying to like make things, you know, they're just trying to, you know, take things from you. Basically, yeah. I guess you'll say. Um, so for you, it's like you're at that point. I guess it really comes down to like how much you enjoy right now. Like how much you enjoy this time where it is about fun and less about money. And then how much these memories leave an indulging kind of thing in your brain to where later on, if it's not fun, you'll be like, fuck, I want to go back to those days. Like, I think that that's probably something. And that's why guys like the, who are the two guys that I referenced as the people who like stay, even though they kind of say that they're miserable, Dolph Ziggler, Randy Orton, they never were on the Indies. They never really did the like fun kind of road trips with the boys kind of stuff that you think of as like, you know what you're doing what a lot of people are doing with the people who want to leave the stuff that biff busick did i mean fuck biff busick yeah. went to china as you know as an independent wrestler like imagine that that's yeah, crazy it's all the different stories like like randy orton and dolph ziggler have never had the driving an 800 dollar car like thousands of miles thousands of kilometers up and down having to break down on the side of the road at 2 a.m and having to call like your friend to drive down a highway to replace a tire for you they don't got those memories and as miserable as it sounds, that's like some of the best memories you could have, you know? Right. Yeah. And you know what, what I do, I'm, I, I work in pharmacy and I've said it like I'm really lucky now. I work in an oncology pharmacy in a hospital. It's really nice. I work for a company that pays yeah. me super well and I have really good benefits. But when I started out, I did like retail pharmacy at just like a CVS in downtown LA where almost everybody is on like, you know, Medicaid, Medi-Cal, Medicaid, yeah. Medi-Cal, all that stuff. So it's like, that's like being in the trenches, you know, that's like war. But the thing that I noticed was that built built bonds between me and my coworkers to where we felt like family. And I bet it's like a similar, it's definitely a similar thing being on the road where like going through those things that seem miserable with another person actually is like what makes you really bond to those people and feel super close to them and create these like awesome relationships. So it's impossible to overlook the importance 100%. of that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, another similar story, but maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit more positive, maybe not a little bit more positive. ACH is still in the news, um, still making a lot of waves with the issues, but now he's like officially released. He's gone. Did you follow much of this story and do you care to comment at all about it? I mean, I know there's a lot here and I, I like to defer to, uh, to Quentin on these topics a little bit more just because he is a black man, <laughs> you know, so the racist kind of element does fall into his purview a yeah. little bit more. Um, but how about you? Like, what do you think about the, the ACH situation? I in honestly general? haven't really heard anything about, I heard like, was it two days ago yesterday that he was, that he quit, that he's done. But outside of that, I don't really know yeah. what it stemmed from or anything along those lines. I've been very out of the loop the last little while. No, Hey, that's probably for the best. He's leaving. I'm, I mean, I've already cleared the place for him as my wrestler of the year for 2020, basically, uh, just because his 2018 was yeah. so damn good. Um, and he had put so many pieces together to where I was just like, and I was an ACH hater. Oh. You may not know this, but <laughs> there was a long time where I was not a huge okay. fan of ACH. Um, but by 2018, he was like, you know, in my top, like I think top 10, top five, yeah. even possibly with just how Fair. good he was. And, uh, so him coming back after this, and if he is able to t- kind of take that and add in a little bit of anger, and a little bit of real world yeah. kind of angst and, you know, actually channel that into his art form, which can be a positive thing in art in yeah, general very, normally. Very true. Um, sky's, the, sky's the fucking limit yeah. for this guy. Some so, of the best yeah. wrestlers have their best years of their lives with chips on their shoulders. So if he is as riled up as he is, this 2020 could be, you know, like the year of ACH. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's, I couldn't say it better myself, honestly. Um, Joey Mercury's continuing his tirade against ROH. Yeah, it's man. I actually nuts. just read something. <laughs> I got back on Twitter today. I just, oh, who was it? It was, um, 
oh, I don't remember, someone tweeted like a text conversation and one of the higher ups at ROH like said they weren't worth the money or something. Yeah, it was, um, they were talking about Hikaloa, which is, um, you know, one of the guys related to G.O.D. and related to Tama. Or, I don't know the exact familial relationship, yeah. so, you know, excuse my ignorance, anyone listening, if I say this incorrectly, but I do know that he's related to that family, to the Tongan family, including uh, Ming, the barbarian, uh, you know, not the barbarian, but Ming. Um, uh, and, yeah, so saying that he's not worth the money, it's kind of like, just really shows yeah. ignorance and uh, just, you know, not not knowing that kind of lineage and the importance of someone along those lines. But, you know, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on the show, just talking about this guy, this Greg person. It's like there's these hangers on who who find their niche in every business, but wrestling especially, where they think like, you know, oh, I can just find a spot and siphon some cash off of this business without knowing what the fuck I'm doing or what I'm talking about. And that just really feels like what this guy is. Yeah. Um, but it's- yeah, you know. You got Joey Mercury talking. Oh, no, no. Oh, go oh, ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. I Whatever was going to say, it just seemed like odd. Like, just this time last year, ROH was on fire. Now, the year, this year, like, well, I don't even know what happened to them or where this great guy came from. You never heard about him before this year, but now it just seems like, you know, he's the real punching bag for everything wrong with ROH right now. Yeah, which is an interesting kind of thing to, to make a parallel to historical issues with ROH and maybe this is like I don't know if it's related or if it is like an intentional ploy but like the fact that he's becoming the guy that you point at and he's some office guy that no one's ever heard of I remember when uh when Jim Cornette which you know he's in the news obviously recently too doing doing Jim Cornette things um when he left ROH and uh and had like his shoot interviews and things to say he there was an office boy that he dumped everything on and said was the was the real problem and the, you know, his big issue and the bane of his existence in the nightmare. So it's kind of like, well, is, is the issue that ROH just keeps hiring these, you know, no nothing bullshit office people who don't work well in a wrestling context, or is ROH actually kind of smart and they're just like using a sacrificial lamb scapegoat type guy, just saying like some random name that no one's ever heard of as some dumbass office person. That's the real problem. So it's kind of like, huh, like, is this public relations? Like, I don't think Joey Mercury is, like, part of this, like, you know, you know, deep state cabal within ROH. But, you know, it, it is odd to see that it mirrors that way. It's what's obviously, as they say, you know, like, whatever is the most, uh, the most kind of easiest answer is usually true is kind yeah. of the, there's the term yeah. for that that I can't remember at the moment. Um or I guess it's it's something principle, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but like the idea that what really is the simplest answer is just that ROH always has random people doing administrative work that don't know anything about wrestling. And that's why that you can always pick out one to just yeah. blame everything on. But it is interesting to see how that's happening again. Yeah, well, you know? I, have, I have a friend who's not a wrestler, but is very into the world of wrestling. And he brought out to me that um, he read in an article that when AEW got going, they took out a lot of impacts like video team and apparently that's the same thing what happened to like ROH execs according I don't know I don't know go into details I don't like to read up on these things but he believes it has something to do with AEW took all the good ones so maybe someone is just weighing over their shoulders you know not knowing fully what their job is but had everything thrown on them last second yeah, and that's, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, the company seems like it's run kind of slapdash. It's a big, it's it's very tiny piece of a large multi, you know, multi-level, multi, like, kind of um, incorporated corporation that's like, you know, has its tentacles yeah. in everything. I don't know how much you follow American media, but Sinclair Broadcasting Group is one of the worst <laughs> things that's happening oh, in America good. right now that's like kind of flying under good. the radar. Um, and they own ROH, yeah, which is no yeah, relation it's, to the Sinclair broadcast and Todd Sinclair, the referee, right? That's just no, coincidence. no, no, not not linked to Todd Sinclair, which is very funny because yeah, he's been the referee yeah. forever. But you know, yeah, the the Sinclair Broadcasting Group that owns uh, that owns ROH is just happened to buy the company with that happened to have this guy with the name. Did you forever, see? But, yeah, did you see that in, Ring of Honor oh, show recently where they had Todd Sinclair wrestle? No, that's I am not. I'm never a fan of referee angles, honestly. No, no, no. But no, it what was um, Team Shane Taylor versus Team Colt Cabana, and Colt Cabana just picked like random people, and he picked 
Todd Sinclair, the referee, he picked one of the cameramen and picked like an agent, and they all just teamed. And no one got in the ring until uh, Sinclair, and he did this amazing leapfrog. Like, it was, huh. I, I would recommend it. I don't remember, it was one of their specials, but. Okay. It's it wouldn't be hard to find. It it's worth the watch. It's a pretty funny yeah, match. Yeah. I'll check that out because I am I am someone who likes the the lighthearted comedy um, and all that's and all that's that kind of definitely thing. the show um, for you. So you know, giving a giving a shout out to uh, to Colt Cabana there as I have <laughs> recently compared you uh, to Colt Cabana. You know, I don't know how many people uh, agreed with me necessarily, but just kind of in the dynamic between you and. Um, and Icky, Judas Icarus is like the CM Punk and Colt Cabana of the modern, kind of the modern scene. Um, in that, like the kind of lighthearted, rambunctious, fun, infectious personality that oh. you have. Um, so you bringing up something positive like that in a wrestling match. I guess we could talk about some some. You know, this is something we also usually do on the show is just kind of highlight and talk about some stuff that we've enjoyed over the past week. I know that you said you're kind of checked out on Twitter, but how, uh, how linked up are you on watching wrestling for the past like week or so? Have, has there been anything that really stood out to you um, that you want to give a um, shout out to? Well, the match I just watched between Darby Allen and uh, John Moxley on AEW. Have you seen last night's episode of AEW yet? No, not yet. I need to top to bottom. Right great show. That match in particular, just rad, rad match. I think okay. lots of the mainstream yeah, stuff I've, altogether I've heard a lot of good is stuff. just on fire right now. Yeah, there's a there's an insane amount of of really good action going on. Before we started recording, uh, Uncharted Territory yeah. was on. Um, AC Mac showing up and uh, and getting involved there. That's pretty cool. Didn't didn't quite get to finish the match to to really spoil it for everyone as we uh, are recording here. I uh, was on my way home, so. We'll enjoy that. Uh, we'll enjoy getting a chance to check that out. Otherwise, you know what? I'm going to be honest. It's been a light week for me when it comes to watching wrestling. Um, but uh, but that's okay, I guess. You know, yeah, not, not every week deal. has to be heavy we week. Uh, you know, you can't go. Not ever go watch 40 hours of wrestling a week. It isn't easy. Yeah. I've got a full-time job. And, and during the GWE period, there was a time where I did the math and I was like, I was doing you know, 80 hours of wrestling viewing per week as well as working a full-time job. My God, man. Um, but that was intensive stuff, man. Because, you know, that was a big deal. Like, really trying to really trying to decide who was Fair. the best ever. Fair. You know, as if it was... As if at the end of it, like, I didn't come out with anything super novel and I kind of regret it now <laughs> because it's like my number one was Rick was Ric Flair. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. I put a lot of effort into saying basically the guy that everyone agreed because he ended up winning the whole yeah. thing was the best wrestler. But, it, you know, it felt true. Um, I guess another match <laughs> want to give a shout out to, um, that I watched recently. I, actually, I don't know if we've done a podcast since maybe we have, maybe we've already talked about it. I'll just, no, you know what? We didn't because, uh, now that I think about it, um, there was a recent ECCW show that had some good matches on it that we haven't that I haven't talked about. And I, I hate to do this cause you're on here, but I would have like shouted out some of the matches on the mm -hmm. show anyways, including your match with Bishop, uh, which I did yeah. really enjoy. Um, so I have to give a shout out Thank to you. that, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, and I feel, I feel bad now <laughs> weird, or kind of, not bad, but a little, a little odd saying it. Um, obviously Judas and Eric strange was, was good. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously. And then uh, Artemis Spencer versus Shawn Morrow. what a match. Um, yeah, I have to give a shout-out to that match for sure. Um, like, I you know, said it in our Slack chat, which even with you on here, I have to reference <laughs> the Slack chat. Um, even though you're not in it, you know, it's just like it always has to come up on this podcast no matter what. Um, my only issue with it was that Artemis really turned up the kind of vump, grumpy vet trainer vibe to a lot of his offense and stuff was looking stiffer and meaner than it normally does from him. And the, my only issue would be is that I would have loved for Sharif to have sold that a little bit better just to like really kind of put over how like domineering Artie was being. But otherwise, I mean, it was so much fun to watch. Like, and you were in the that building, obviously. That match? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Were you oh, watching yeah. it up close or from behind the curtain? Yeah, it was, I mean, good stuff. Sharif, 
I've said it on here, but Sharif has got a really interesting charisma that I think can take him pretty far if he kind of continues on with just how good he is in ring, but then also just like he, being... Sharif, yeah, like, I gotta, I gotta straight up just say, like, I'm not just saying this because I'm on a recording. He is just the most chill, cool dude you could ever meet, and he will forever be one of my favorite human beings because of it. That charisma that he carries nice. on All his right. way to the ring and when he wrestles, like, is not a character. When you see Sharif in that ring, like, that's just who he is. He he shows up at training like three to four days a week, chants hard work when he's not in there doing the drills. Like he's just the man. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it shows. I mean, he works super hard and he's got a natural likability and just, yeah, really, really just a, a hard worker and a star and, a, and the kind of guy who, yeah, if he keeps going, I think can make something. But just like the guy he's in there wrestling with or with Artie, I mean, shit. I mean, you know, another guy who starting to put it together not starting to put it together but starting to get the chances that yeah he deserves yeah big time finally but he's just he's just been working so fucking hard for so long that it feels like finally you know but it's like that's what you got to do you just keep going keep grinding and eventually 100 people notice if you just keep going and then sometimes you know sometimes you get lucky and you don't have to work as hard or as long but eventually you get i mean the cody Rhodes thing right what is it like undesirable to undeniable there's a point where if you just keep working that hard and keep going like there's people are just going to notice you no yeah. matter what um well is there anything news topics wrestling anything like that that you want to talk about before we get into our uh main topic of the week which is you still basically uh, man i don't know i don't i'm out of the loop man we could just talk about me if you want <laughs> yeah, that's fine yeah, 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 well, we'll just talk, basically, cool. is what we'll do. Um, so I'll get the uh, the stuff. I always like to ask people who I know if they have anything that they want to uh, ask you about. So I'll get the uh, get the, the basic stuff out of the way first that I've gotten okay. from other people. Um, so how have you been affected by the fact that Mercury <laughs> is in retrograde at the moment? Who been... asked that? I swear to God, was that? Of, I mean, of course you know who it was. A guy who really deserves a shout out here. Yeah, it was Parm. Parm, that son of a um, bitch. I love that man. Yeah, he deserves a major shout out even for this because you, you, uh, Travis, Judas, Sharif, even Artie, all a lot of guys up there in the Pacific Northwest are busting your ass and doing amazing work, and a lot of it. People like me outside of the area would not be seeing if it wasn't for Parm. Yeah, Parm's so, a, I have to give him a bit of a shout out. I love Parm. Yeah. I love Parm to bits. Yeah. Yes. I'm doing um, good though. Mercury yeah, is out of guy. retrograde as of two days ago, so I'm doing fantastic. Okay, perfect. Yeah. It's funny because he mentioned that and I saw him even tweet something and it's like, I don't know, like whatever is going on with you guys talking about that, but that is a thing out here for sure. Like, you know. LA is very woo woo as people say, which I don't even necessarily know what that means, but there's a lot of people who are into like chakras and crystals and shit. And you hear Mercury, Mercury and retrograde all the fucking time out here that it's like, Oh, I was late to work because of Mercury being in retrograde and stuff like that constantly. So I'm like, I, I get it on the periphery, but I also don't it's, know. If it's I a get running, it, you know, it, it is an inside joke. I can't really get into, but it's, it's good okay, to know that it's a not. real thing somewhere and that it's not just one singular crazy person up here it's a bunch of crazy people oh yes it's it's it yeah. is everywhere um so i mentioned it with the uh with the strays and with the the beef boy um as of right now i mean do you have a preference on which kind of gimmick i i don't know if i should even say that word i feel bad using insider lingo with a wrestler but um which kind of persona character or which kind of element you're in when it comes to like wrestling, is there something that you're really like enjoying more or less right now between the two, or are you just kind of it's into it's everything? hard because it really depends on the day and on the show. There's some nights where I'll be done my match and I'll just like tell myself like God, I just I just didn't I just don't want to do this beef boy character. And then there's some days that like I'm on top of the world doing it and it's a lot of fun and everyone's behind me. But like I don't know, I guess. I guess I like doing the strays a bit more just under the sense that I can be a bit more close to who I actually am. 
yeah, yeah, I, I would say the Strays is a bit more on my side. So you're more like a like a 1920s hobo living out of a boxcar. Yeah, I would I would <laughs> identify more yeah. as a 1920s hobo living out of a box than a uh, seven foot two, six hundred five pound monster. <laughs> I think if I had to relate to one yeah, or the that's other. Fair. Well, you know, like like I had mentioned earlier, where I kind of referenced like before that I've like compared the Strays to the you know the Second City Saints, um, especially just with the personalities and the dynamic between you and and Judas and when we talk, God, calling him Judas, <laughs> Icarus, Icky, I don't even know what to call him. Honestly. You could call him uh, um, refer to him as way. Big Dumb Jude. Thank you. Yeah, Big Dumb Jude. Thank you. That works. All right, I'll remember that one. Um, so the the dynamic and personalities between you and Big Dumb Jude is like to me, you feel like just a natural, lovable baby face. You've got just like that kind of charisma oozes off of you. You seem like the kind of goofy guy that everyone really like. And like again, like I said, like comparing you to Colcaban, it's like that jockey kind of. And I, you know, I'm a I'm a jock, honestly. Like when I grew up, I played all kinds of sports, did football, all that kind of stuff. So I I relate to it, but also like I can see it, and like I see that, and then you know, big dumb Jude <laughs> seems like a natural heel, but, but when he's with you, he can definitely has like that likable charisma and baby face that kind of it comes off of you and like rubs on to him a little bit. So when you guys are together as a tag team, I can definitely see a lot of fun and interplay between you two. But, but similarly to the aforementioned second city saints, when you guys feud with each other, the heat and the violence is fucking amazing. Um, especially just recently, you guys had this death match on Halloween, you know, the Halloween show for ECCW. Yeah. Um, and the violence that came through in that was out of this world. And like, do you think that that comes from how close you guys are? Cause you are a tag team. Like, you know, each other, like, could you imagine bringing that kind of violence in a match with literally anybody else? Do you think that like, there's something special because of how close I you guys think are? It's, it definitely has to do with our bond, you know, like, We've been wrestling each other since we were 18, so about just over three years now. We've had, God, at least 20 matches against each other and at least, like, 40 teaming. And, the, they're like, we just, you know, it's like when you play street hockey with your friends and you always hit your best friend a little harder. I think that's really, like, our thing is we know we can just kind of hit each other. Like, it's a real fight and we're not going to be upset about it. We're not going to be mad about it. We get it. And then and then if there's something that one of us did to piss the other one off, like, you know, outside of the ring, like we could just bring it back to the match and just get get it out there, you know? Like oh, he left garbage in my car after a road trip. I'm gonna hit him in the side of the head <laughs> a little bit harder this time and now I'll feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's why people should check out that match. If you haven't seen it yet, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen that match yet, I don't know how, because I already gushed over it before. I don't think you know, and it, you're on the podcast, so whatever. I'll just be honest. I always, I always claim to be not co-opted at all, and it doesn't matter about my relationships with people. I'm gonna be just honest about how I feel. It's not gonna end up as like my match of the year, but it's in my like conversation for like matches to think about Fair. at the end of the year. Like you know, if I'm doing like a top twenty list, I think it could make it on there just because of the uniqueness, the violence, the. I mentioned I've already talked about it, but like, you know, just, yeah, like the kind of very natural, real, legit kind of feeling that it had. And then adding in, like I said, it was very unique. One thing that I was thinking, because I was thinking about the match earlier, I was thinking about that we're going to do this podcast. And I was thinking about like kind of the guy who's become really the the best gimmick match worker of the indies in Dominic Guarini. I think that, you know, maybe some people don't, would think that that's fucking crazy because they haven't been paying attention. But if you have been paying attention, like Dominic Guarini has these big blow off gimmick matches, be them like, you know, last man standing or just no DQ or whatever they are. Like whenever he's in that kind of setting, um, he brings an extra level of violence. And, you know, part of it with Dom is that he's got the legitimate background of being like a, a world-class judo player so when you see him like bring in fucking weapons you're like this guy is already a lethal you know weapon on his own he doesn't need 
thumbtacks. He doesn't need barbed wire. Why does he, why is he adding that in? And it just becomes gratuitous and like over the top. But there was something to that death match between you and Icarus where I saw a little bit of the same kind of vibe and physical charisma coming off of you where there was just like a level of like, this guy's already, and it maybe it is part of that beef boy thing where you're working like you're a seven foot tall monster. Um, and then you're also bringing in like weapons, you know, and it's like, God, why does this, you know, beast need weapons? And that's, it is an interesting thing because you're not, I'm not going to, you know, tell any stories out of class, but you're not a giant God, guy, no. but you do a really good job of, of carrying yourself that way to where it becomes, it feels legitimate when you're really in it. So all of that kind of gushing <laughs> aside, I apologize, but I really Thank did you. enjoy that match. Um, but uh, like kind of the beef, boy, the genesis of the beef boy thing, like where did this kind of come from? Was there any connection to the Crash Holly deal? Because he did a very similar gimmick, you know, in the in the WWE in the past. Or was this kind of separate and just its I own thing? I did not know about the Crash Holly gimmick actually until maybe a couple months ago. The whole uh, thing okay. started as an inside joke. Basically, we were at a training class and Artemis had us going over uh, big man spots. You know, there weren't many big men in the class, but he just he wanted to work on some like tackle you don't fall down tell your guy to hit the ropes again kind of thing like like acting like hogan and warrior in the fuck in the 80s right so yeah. we were doing that and we were getting in there and we were having fun and i just started like anytime i'd hit someone i'd just be like oh i'm a i'm a beef boy like i'm a beefy boy like i'm a big i'm a heavyweight and i was just choking around and then we just it just kept on going and then every class we would chant like everyone like it wasn't just me like everyone was like we had a group and we were the beef boys and then um a sunday came around and we were doing uh some matches at class and this match i was doing was just i'll be honest it was just god awful like nothing was going right in the match nothing was hitting so i just started uh having a little more fun with it and every time i'd throw a strike i would just chant beef and one of the trainers that had never seen or heard the beef character just like said straight up, that's some of the best stuff I've ever seen you do. That's the most human I've ever seen you in a match. And he just got me to try it out and it stuck and people started chanting it. And then it just, yeah, it just ran from there. It, it really works, man. I mean, the crowd obviously is into it. And when I when I watch your matches and I see how much they chant, you know, beef, 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 they 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 love you. Like and it works. Like people love doing that. It goes back it probably goes back further than this, but just to, you know, date myself or give a little bit of my age, like I remember the Hack Myers thing. People love doing the Shaw 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 with his punches. Like it's historically a thing that people love doing. They they get something, they they go along with it. But like I said, like the way that you carry yourself, even though you're not you're not seven foot tall. You're not like, you know, 600 no, pounds, God, no. like the way you can carry yourself when you, <laughs> the way that you can carry yourself when you do it, it works so much so that in that death match, like when you went and did the big, you know, sent on Atomico off the top, it was like, oh my God, he's doing this big <laughs> high flying move. Like it, it, yeah, I'm like, I, you know, there's guys that are obviously bigger than you who do crazier shit. I saw Alex Zane do a standing 630 and I, I nearly lost my mind, you know, but, but you doing the big Sintom Atomico off the top, I was like, oh my God, he's leaving his feet. <laughs> the beef boy is leaving his feet. So, you know, definitely I get what you're saying about like the strays maybe feeling a little bit more natural for you and I, and, and it works. And I also really enjoy the strays stuff too. But uh, there's something there in that Beef Boy gimmick. Who knows if it could be, you know, a big time thing. But it's it's definitely fun yeah, now to for watch. Sure. Yeah. Um, there was something in there that reminded me of something else I wanted to talk about, but I forgot. But uh, we'll eventually get there or we won't. Who cares? Um, one thing I do want to talk to you about, and, and this maybe this show will become an impromptu episode of Top Beer, a podcast that I used <laughs> to do years ago. Um, is talking to you about beer stuff. And, oh, that's what it was. You were talking about that you were wrestling uh, Judas when you were 18, and that was like three years ago. And I remember I saw an interview with you. This was a while back that I saw the interview, but it recrossed my timeline when I was like, maybe I'm going to pretend like I'm a journalist and do some research uh, before I have you on here. And I remembered the interview again, and I was like, oh, yeah, this guy really likes craft yeah. beer stuff. And then one thing that confused me is I know that you're so young, but then I remembered, oh, yeah, you're Canadian, so you were able to drink... At 19, Early. yeah. Because it was like, 
Yeah, so I'm like, oh, okay, why would a, you know, a kid as young as you are know anything about craft beer? Most people at your age are still just, like, drinking, you know, Budweiser and, at best, like, you know, uh, High Life, Miller High Life or something. Um, but you've been a craft beer fan for a while. What kind of, like, got you into that? Honestly, you know? like... Like, what was the first beer? And if not even just that, like... I'm very picky with my craft beer. Um, my favorite is called Trash Panda. It's by Parallel 49. And I know that if my boss who is going to listen to this hears me say that, I'm just joking, I promise. But no, no, it's a, it's Trash Panda Parallel 49 is <laughs> the first one I had. And it's really like I'm very picky. I work for a place called Granville Island Brewery. And I, I quite like most of their stuff. Um, I just – nothing really got me – into it i just i was in between jobs and someone i knew worked at granville island brewery and i knew like it it seemed like a cool thing and i got into it and i've been working there and i've been looking into getting into cross training to eventually learn how to get my brew right and yeah it's just kind of some that's slowly grown over like an intense love for it you know yeah yeah which um is interesting i usually try to uh if I'm going to have a beer guest on, have a beer that's from the region. I've This has been historically something I've done, but uh, unfortunately I didn't have a chance tonight to, to pick up anything from the, you know, I guess BC area. I can't even think of any breweries that distribute from there to Southern I don't California. think Granville Island um, would be down there. Yeah, they don't. And then just in general, like if there's any other breweries there that are like I big enough so. to. Um, I don't think we're that big. No, but... Uh, but uh, the Trash Panda, I, actually, I think I can recall people talking about Trash Panda in the past. I don't know that I've ever had it. What style? What it is an IPA. Is it? Okay, that makes sense with that name. But I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's some kind of Belgian thing. Because for me, like, that's what got me started in craft beer with Belgian beers. But that was also, like, at a time period where I'm not, like, insanely old. But you know what I mean? I'm old enough to where, like, there was a time period where IPAs weren't yeah. the thing. They weren't everywhere as much as they are now, you know? Um, so... I got started out in Belgian beers and this kind of got into it. And like, so do you homebrew at all? No. Or no. do you just kind of get to play around with the equipment? Not there even at the brewery overly kind of... there. No, I more, I get my kicks right now just from reading and research and learning about the history and well, trying to learn about the history, but I haven't really had the luck of being able to brew or start to brew yet. Okay. Yeah. I don't even really know what the process is anymore because it's been such a long time since i've like even thought about it as like something to do professionally yeah. i should say um but like i i know that i had heard a lot of people talking about like school like brewing schools and stuff like that is it like is it to the level where like to be someone who brews at an actual brewery like you have to have some kind of degree at this point it's called the brew right like you do have to have okay. a form of degree. I don't know if you have to go to like a college or university, or if you could just take certain courses for it. But it is you do at least here. You have to have a brew right. Okay, yeah, because you had mentioned that, and I wasn't sure what that meant. Like uh, when you said brew right, I was like, maybe you were just talking about getting your brew right, as in like being good at doing it. I was like, maybe you're doing home brews because out here, here we don't have those rules, and it shows. And a lot of times when you go to like random breweries that just open and it's like some home brewer who you know is really good at doing investment banking yeah. or something and then like is just has enough money to open a brewery and then it's garbage like everything they brew sucks um but uh, that happens pretty regularly i'm not gonna you know say any names but there is a brewery out here that i will say their name it's lincoln <laughs> lincoln brewery and they're a home brewer who opened a brewery and their beer was garbage like it really is not very good um so yeah i was just like Oh, brew right. Like maybe you just meant like getting your brew right, but it's like something that you have to have there. Cause I know that like there are other countries where there's really strict rules about brewing, you know, you can't just do whatever you can't do that. You can't just open up a no. place and throw donuts in the mash. And no, especially everything is up fine. here. If you were to try, I think you'd be drowned out so quick. There's so many breweries, like just small craft breweries in like from where I like thirty minutes from where I live, I guarantee you there's at least thirty little craft breweries I could go to. It's insane right now. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of starting to get that way. Luckily, not luckily. It's actually kind of a bummer. But uh, where I live, it's like 
getting going, but because I live in like kind of the center of LA city, the, the property is so expensive that you can't open a ton of yeah. breweries like in the city, but there's a lot of breweries like on the outskirts of LA and then orange County. I mean, I don't know if you know what, what orange County is. I think people know what that a is, little bit. right? Like yeah. California. Um, you know, there's like a movie about it all this, but there's a lot of really good breweries there. San Diego obviously is like the Mecca of, of brewing it. That's in, in Southern California here as well. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting. So you work at a brewery. Are you doing like beer tending or are you doing like, are you a, um, a I'm one of the lackeys. I do lots of the cleaning, lot. lots of the picking for like, yeah, like a cellarman. Yeah, exactly. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. So you're throwing around big, heavy kegs, keeping you, keeping you beefy. Exactly. Basically. That's my workout is throwing around 30 and 50 liter kegs on the regular. Nice. So wrestling, like, what got you into wanting to be a wrestler? Um, well, it all started when I was like, I want to say 10. When I first started watching it, I knew it was what I wanted to do. I never had like a definitive, I saw this moment and I was like, I need to do this. It just kind of like started with me coming across wrestling, liking it, continuing to watch it you know, throwing around my pillows and trying moves on that. And then it just kind of like kept going to the point where I was throwing around my friends in my basements and it just kind of snowballed, got bigger, bigger, bigger until I just started training. Like there was no exact moment per se. It just kind of like, I've always wanted to be a wrestler. Right. It was just like inevitable. Yeah. 100%. It was like, as you continued as you continued to just go down the path you were going down, it was like there's nothing you were going to Yeah, I remember being... Nothing you were going to do. I remember being 10, and it would be 9 p.m. at night, and I'd be telling my mom to throw the pillow off of the couch so I could spear it out of midair, so I could have like a moving action pillow wrestling match. <laughs> and God, she would, she would do it twice and then tell me to sit down. But, you know, like even from as far back as then, I could just remember always wanting to wrestle. Were you kind of a, based on that, were you kind of a hyperactive kid, you think, or just you were really In the weirdest it? ways, I was a hyperactive kid. I I hated sports. I absolutely, you know, I was signed up for hockey. I hated it. I signed up for baseball. I hated it. I signed up for this and that, and I just, I hated it with a passion. But on the same, on the opposite and same side of the spectrum, like, I was always out of the house. I was always going down the street to play with my friends outside. I was always out at the playground, running around my backyard. Like I was the most athletic, non-athletic kid in the world. Right, you were active. Would you? That's interesting because, like I said, like I'm, I'm a jock, and I look at you as having like jock charisma. So I'm like, that's very interesting to think of you as not being a, a very jockey person because. Like when I see you just on tape, watch you kind of do your thing, you kind of come across that way. Do you think of yourself as like more artistic? Is that why like wrestling speaks to you because of the art form side of it? Or I think, think that is 100% correct. I think most of my favorite matches in history have definitely been from like the story of the match over the moves of the match. And I feel like I try to, even though anyone that watches my match says, oh, you do all the moves or oh, you just hit this and that. Like, I I really do enjoy the meaning behind everything, and I feel like that is, at the end of the day, what draws me in, yeah. Yeah. Well, what are some of the, the matches that, when you said that right now, what are, what matches are popping? One of my favorite matches of all time was from WrestleMania 27. It was Rey Mysterio versus Cody Rhodes when Cody Rhodes was doing the plastic mask thing, and the whole basis of the match yeah. was... Uh, Rey Mysterio was using the plastic mask of Cody's as a weapon and Cody was using the metal brace of Rey Mysterio's knee as a weapon and that's one match that to this day just has stuck out with me forever it's been just one of those oh my god this is awesome matches to me yeah that's uh, yeah that's such an amazing like kind of yeah literary device there because it's like taking taking the two things and like turning them in on themselves. Ray's knee brace accidentally caused the damage to Cody's face. And then 
you know, Cody is now intentionally using the knee brace as a weapon while while Ray did it accidentally. And then Cody was using the mask throughout the gimmick, like intentionally as a weapon. So it's like this real in like, Yeah, that's such a really cool, like, yeah, like inverse exactly. literary device to be to use with the, the, the gimmicks and everything about that. So like, as you say that, and I'm not going to, you know, call you out for just angling to get a job in AEW, no, like, God, no. you know, giving big props to Cody here on the podcast. That's not, that's not what's happening no. right now. Um, but yeah, like what, uh, who luchasaurus who like no um all right i meant baby saurus i think you could replace baby saurus in a second (laughs) Um, good kid i like that kid marco stunt yeah guy um there was something i was gonna lead into next but i uh don't remember i having a tough time following through on things but that's okay yeah right um so Obviously, we'll exclude him just because he's clearly an amazing person who I've already talked way too much about as a wrestler. And also, you know, I've hung out with him, so I don't want people thinking that I'm, uh, you know, again, co-opted by someone. But so we'll exclude Artemis Spencer, your trainer, who has had like major impact on you when it comes to like someone who you've wrestled with. Or someone who you've interacted with who maybe was on a show that you were on when it comes to just like feeling like they really, you really learned a lot or got something like major out of your interactions with? Um, A wrestler named Billy Suede for sure has had in so many different ways and so many different situations had had major impacts on who I am and how I act 100%. Okay, like, have you have you gotten a chance to, like, have a matches with him, or is it someone that you just interact um, with? Well, yes. So, way back when, uh, there was a little moment where I was kind of down in the dumps, not having too much fun, and not really feeling the wrestling thing. And Billy Suede had just come back from the Philippines, and it was one of the shows where I was really just not there for it. And it was his return show, and I saw him wrestle, and he... He killed it as he does, and that kind of like motivated me. Just seeing him in there doing his thing, I was like, "I was like, hell yeah, I, I wanna, I wanna get good enough like him." And then uh, a few weeks later, he messaged me and he asked if there was any way I could come train with him because he wasn't wanting to go back to big classes. He was just kind of wanting to keep it small. So I went and I trained with him and I trained with him and I was just, I was having so much fun. You know, he was teaching me lots of his little tricks, lots of his things that he did. And I really picked up on it and I started to just have this burning passion for wrestling again. And then a whole year later after his return, his return show was at Pack Cup 2018. And a whole year later at Pack Cup 2019, I wrestled him in the first round for the first time ever. And it was like this cool full circle, you know, look up to him, learn from him and then get the opportunity to work him at the show that kind of like reignited my love for wrestling. All right. All right. Nice. I mean, yeah, I, um, the name was familiar, but I can't say that I've ever actually seen anything from Billy Swede. Um, unfortunately, but that's, yeah, that's awesome to like have that that uh, kind of connection there. And then like a cursory glance, it looks like he's like kind of been a little bit all over. He's wrestled in obviously up there, and he's wrestled in like Oceania and like uh, Australia and yeah, all over the place. So he's kind of gotten around a little bit, yeah, and been wrestling yeah. for a while. Um, yeah, that's that's really cool, <laughs> definitely. Um. So, for you, what do you think is, like, your, I guess, signature rivalry? Um, It's interesting because, to me, I feel like it's probably the stuff that you've been doing with, with, uh, what was it? Big Big Dumb 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 Jude, Jude? yeah. Yeah, but but also, like, you tagging with him against uh, Four Minutes of Heat has felt like, has felt... Like, it's, like, definitely starting to break out as, like, something special. Like, what, for you, what do you feel like is the kind of rivalry, feud, whatever, that's, like, 
kind of like that's you know that's elliot taylor's um kind of yeah i would definitely have to stick it to me versus big dumb jude it is um it started off as just kind of like like we got booked a few times and he went over he won and then i noticed i was like oh and four against him so i started you know, another match was announced, and I just kind of posted. I'm like, I'm gonna win my first time against him. I'm gonna get the win, and then I didn't. And then it got to a point where um, I asked a promoter to let him beat me, just to kind of keep it going, and then bump it up to 0 and 7. And then after this recent match, it's 0 and 8. That's definitely like the creativity for that feud and what we've been doing has been mainly the two of us. So I really gotta like say that has been the key the key thing for me so far as far as uh feuds and rivalries go it's definitely the one with him because it's been well, lots of our brainchild nice yeah i mean it's again like I, I the recent match which obviously kind of can't be the culmination of it and you know when you have famous losers famous you know feuds of of, of guys who can't get over the hump one of them that people talk about again. I'm, I'll date myself as as something that stands out is you know Tommy Dreamer versus Raven, where Tommy could never get the win. I don't even know how familiar with, you are with that, but someone who you are familiar with, but you may not be familiar with their storyline. Another famous loser in a rivalry is uh, yeah David Starr. I do a guy who just can't get that win over Walter. You got a chance to work with him. And do you feel like uh, you got anything out of that? I know it was unfortunately, I say unfortunately, it was a situation where you weren't working directly with him, but you were in that match with him. Um, and do you think that like any of that, like idea, like you said, like that you're on a losing streak against this particular opponent who you're just like kind of locked in this battle with that you're just like trying to work towards getting a victory over. Do you think that you got anything from David when it came to that or even in general getting to actually um, work with him? As far as storyline goes at first, it was more just kind of like organic, but as time went on and we had put thought into it, I definitely like, I would see some things that happened between them and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I would try to change it up and put a twist on it in our own way and that sort of thing. And then on the lines of getting to work with him and learning in general, I definitely like getting to put together a match with him and seeing how his brain works and the way like if you pitch something or someone pitches something and he he finds a way to make it make sense or where it goes like his brain works so quick and it was a real big learning experience to just you know just hear him put things together and take ideas and build off them and just that in general was just great to see you know yeah definitely i mean he's uh He's clearly not only has a great wrestling mind, I'm going to give a, a shout out. <laughs> I listened to him this morning on uh, the Michael Brooks show and uh, he was talking to him about politics. So it's a nice chance to give a shout out to the, some trunks that uh, David Starr had at a certain point when just say Lula Livre on the uh, on the chat, even though he's already out of uh, prison, which is great. And he's back on the streets uh, trying to help uh, basically motivate the people which is fantastic um but yeah like obviously david Starr. when i heard him on that interview and it was talking primarily about politics but he was also mentioning some stuff about wrestling um clearly has a uh, very special mind for everything um but yeah i mean you know let's see i mean i think we're getting to the point where we could uh i guess wrap it up i feel like I can continue talking to you for a bit about just matches that I've enjoyed of yours and different stuff, but I feel like keeping it brief the first time on the first interaction is always best and leave people hoping for more, wanting more is always the best way to go um, in general. So Elliot, thank you. I think I slipped in and out of calling you Ellie. Hey, I think a couple times. Elliot, I'm used to all of it. Boy. Yeah, but I like... I really like the Ellie. That's the way I remember you. Honestly, I always remember you as Ellie, and I don't know if that's the. I love the name want. Ellie. It's great. Um, okay, so we'll stick with that for the most part. Um, do like the uh, do love the strays Thank quite you. a bit. Um, 
yeah, great, great tag team and a tag team that people should be paying attention to. I think, I think it's really easy for, you know, my normal co-host Quentin to talk about how Icarus is the clearly a guy who could become a star and overlook you. I, I don't know what he's thinking because I think both of you guys are equally. <laughs> and I, you know, I hate to bury Quentin there. But I, I, I agree I with Clinton it. though. I think um, Icky, I think, I would be surprised if he was still just in the Pacific Northwest in a year, you know? I agree with your co-host 100%. Yeah. I can definitely see it. I can see it with you too, though. I really do. I think that you guys both have what you need. And you talking about the way that you think about matches, it it reminds me of someone who I mentioned before we started recording, and Dan Makabe, a guy who puts so much thought into yeah. their matches. Like, you know, like the idea that you actually care about what you're doing. Um, and you're still so young and you're still working super hard and I just, I can see it there. Um, before we go, we have to, you know, talk about the, 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 the three to one battle G zero series. So far you're doing okay. You're one and one. I'm one and oh. Basically. I have um, yeah. are you one and oh? Oh, I had you the had first the bye week. week. Yeah. I'm doing okay, great. I'm undefeated. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And the match with, uh, with the golden boy, Travis Williams was was really I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I mean, we'll say that Dan maybe softened up for you the the two weeks before in his match with him, but you know whatever you you uh, you you brought home the win. Um, yeah, great stuff there between you guys and and your next match is coming up. Is it next Friday? Not this, not Friday. this Friday. It is next Friday. Friday. Yeah. No, it's next Friday. Yeah, continue to get to see you there, which is great because we can watch you live. People can watch On you. Twitch? Live in three to one battle. I hope that they can on Twitch. Yeah, I hope people, I hope they continue to have you showing up on in three to one battle shows because you and Nicarus together as a tag team and in singles have been are a breath of fresh air for the company. You know, and getting to see you guys perform live and not have to wait a couple days for Parm to upload the videos has been really. Parm's nice. been crazy <laughs> recently about just um, uploading and like I'll get a message at two a.m. after the show and he's like, "Here's your match." Like lately, he's been insane with it. Yeah. He's been doing a good job, man. I have to give him a lot of credit for that. And he's, he's, I can't wait for him to really get it out there more and start showing off what he can do. Me too, man. But, but I do, yeah, but I do love that he's putting so much effort into like actually getting this footage out here for us to watch because again, like I talked about the nerds like me out here in Southern California and around the world want to see these matches. Um, but yeah, uh, what, what matches, what stuff in general do you want people to know about? Or where should they like follow you, help For support you, coming pay up. attention to to Ellie? Yeah, coming up um, in general, coming up, coming up, coming up, and also in general is what I'm. So to say my there. next two weekends are actually probably some of my biggest weekends yet. I got um the three two one on the Friday. I work Liza Hall, who I've been training with since I was 15, and I'm working her for the first time in singles. So I am stoked for that. Uh, then I got. Without a cause, my final match, me as the Strays versus four minutes of heat. We got a last team standing match. And then on the Sunday, I work a guy named Kane Jaden from Portland, who was just phenomenal, and I'm stoked for that. And it's just the next few weeks in general. Oh, that's that's yes, Jaden, yes, right? Yes, Jaden. Like, I don't know why I got confused and when you said it that way. I was like, Jaden? I've always heard Jaden Kane or just Yeah, Jayden. I think he does just go by Jaden yes. now. My bad. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. He's great, and uh, you know he's very popular in three to one battle, also, but maybe under a different gimmick. Um, and uh, you know he's a uh, uh, AR Fox yeah. trainee, so you know also definitely someone to check out. And and yeah, another guy in the Pacific Northwest. When I was talking about people in the Pacific Northwest that we're getting to see their stuff because of Parm, he's another guy, or just like in your guys's like kind of bracket, another guy I should talk about. Um, who's out there having some great matches too. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, did you mention like social media p- places people can follow you? I kind of believe I am at Elliot Tyler underscore or at Elliot underscore Tyler on all forms of social media. And those are the easiest ways to find me. There is a Strays of the Rabies Instagram page that we have not touched in about a year. So I wouldn't recommend following that. But yeah, just... Um, just at Elliot Tyler. I'm going to be there. I post really dumb things on Instagram and I tweet nonsense and about five times a day. And that's where you can find me.
Dark sun.